Good old Matty is getting some color. Hello, everybody. I am Joe Dubs. Uh, I'm Zach. <laughs> I tried to think of, like, creative ways to say that. I'm starting to think we need to do, do like, old promos and stuff. You well, I, we did that a couple times. Yeah, I just gotta, I don't know, maybe talk, like, Bret Hart or something. I've never really heard anybody try to do a Bret Hart impression. It, it, like, people don't go out of their way to do that. It's usually somebody a lot more over the top than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to, like, fuck it up, but I'll think of something. I guess I could be, you know, it's time, it's time, it's Vader time. That was, like, a little bit of uh, Dusty in there as well. Whatever. Yeah, it was like if Dusty Rhodes was doing a Vader impression, kind of. Mm -hmm. It's time, baby. <laughs> it's Vader time, baby. All right. Anyway, this is our pay-per-view special because we're talking about NXT Portland that happened last week. Yes, last uh, last Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. I keep on forgetting since you know WWE didn't have a pay-per-view that they, they got the Sunday slot. And uh, boy, oh boy, was that a good pay-per-view! But before we get into that pay-per-view. We got some news to talk about. Not a lot of news this week, so hopefully we don't hit the four-hour or three-hour uh, podcast mark. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this time. Hopefully. <laughs> so, Zach, wh what do you got on the news docket? Um, let's see here. Uh, turns out, like the thing with MVP was it seemed like a lot of people were kind of unsure what he was doing. Cause at the time, like after he did that Royal rumble appearance, mm -hmm. was like, Oh, that was a one-off. And then he was on raw, like the following night and he lost to Ray Mysterio. And he was like, I did that because I wanted my son to see me wrestle. And, uh, that, that was it. I'm done. I'm done. And he made it seem like he was going on some kind of like retirement tour or something. Like he was just going to like work a couple more indie dates or something. And that was it. And then it's like a week or two later, we find out, I think like a week or so after that, oh, MVP is a producer now in WWE. It's like, okay. And that's, that's why he's still there. That's why, because then he did the, the VIP lounge week last week. It's like, okay, he's still here. And then this Monday, he just had a match with McIntyre and lost. See, what I don't understand is I hope that WWE is not like, oh, um, you know, you got a pop when you came in Royal Rumble or whatever pay-per-view. Let's just make you a producer and all that stuff. Mm. I kind of wonder, like, um, what exactly their criteria is for figuring out if somebody's a producer. And it's like if, if you know, I don't know, if people don't really know, like, what we're talking about. Producer used to be referred to as an agent. Um, it's the same role. It's basically just like a guy who helps uh, the other wrestlers kind of like put together matches and they act like as a liaison between uh, them and creative or Vince or whatever. Mm -hmm. they're, they're like the, the middlemen between all that stuff. That's like the two things they do pretty much. And, I think more more often than not, they're more recognized for helping putting matches together and like giving advice and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, when I find out about some of the people they hire as producers, I'm like, 
did you hire him because you thought that he would be good in that role or like what? <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't know. Like I don't, I never knew MVP to be like a really creative guy in the ring who come, came up with a bunch of great ideas and stuff like that. Well, I know he had power and impact if I remember correctly. He did. Yeah. I believe he was like part of uh like half producer and half wrestler when he was over there. Oh, so well, if he's got experience in that role, then I guess that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you find out, like, <laughs> some other people have become producers, like Abyss, Joseph Parks. I guess he's re- he's retired from wrestling, and he's just, like, a producer of WWE now. Wait, Abyss is uh, with um, WWE now? He has been for, like, a year, I think, now. Jesus. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that. There's yeah, there was a couple of little stealth hirings of like of producers, and he was one of them. Like people that used to be in like Impact and stuff like that. Uh, there's somebody else too. I I like forgetting their name right now though. <clears throat> Another one was like Tyson Kidd after he had to retire because of injuries. Yeah, who injured him again? Well, Samoa Joe. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> blame it on him, but uh, no, I'm not. But like, obviously, he was a component of his injury. Yeah. It, that was a freak accident though. Like, you know how many years he did that, that muscle buster move and never injured anybody. Mm-hmm. And then like that one time, like, yeah, he pretty much ends Tyson's career, but see that that's a guy who's known for having a pretty good mind for putting matches together. Cause there was word was going around shortly after he became a producer like there was some really good match on Raw a few years back after he started. There was there was a few. There was like a string of them. It was like Tyson Kidd produced that match. Well, when Cesaro, oh. when Cesaro and uh, Tyson Kidd were a tag team at first, I was like, "Oh, this is never gonna, you know, become a thing." And I <laughs> it was, became a thing. <laughs> and I was impressed, dude. Like, I forgot what their uh, slogan was or something. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what their little gimmick was oh it's something about facts or something like that oh fact tyson kidd was the fact checker guy yeah that was something he was doing in nxt before he got called back up mm-hmm. <laughs> man there's a shame about him though yeah i mean i think they would have utilized him if like the cesaro thing never like launched like a you know rockers or something like that i think he would ended up in 205 live you ever watch the work he did in NXT? No. During those times, uh, I didn't really pay attention to NXT. Oh, dude, Tyson Kidd was, like, awesome in NXT. They kept doing this thing where it was like they they kept bringing up Natty with him and stuff like that. <laughs> and it, it was like they were kind of rubbing it in his face, sort of, but not really. It's like, what about Natty? What does she think about this? He's like, why do you always bring my wife up? <laughs> she doesn't even wrestle here. And it was like making him get like this really bitter streak in his character. And that's kind of like what turned him heel. Got Had it. some great matches down there, man. Shame what happened to him. Yeah. I mean, it does happen to the best. We, But, you know, you know never say never because we all thought Daniel Bryan would never uh, come back. And then he did. Edge. Yeah. Edge. Then he did. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now I think Paige is going to be next because uh, I've been hearing rumblings that she's been doing the same treatment 
as um, Daniel Bryan and got some uh, info from not info, but like points of reference to, to what to do with her uh, neck and shit from Edge. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe Tyson Kidd will come back one day. <laughs> I hope so, because he kind of, I, I, in my opinion, he kind of figured it out. Like when he was in NXT, he figured out how to do that character promo work stuff. That's where the facts thing came from and all that. I just thought he looked like a fucking weirdo, but like, it, it, just how he looks and his hairstyle. Well, I know what you're talking about. When he used to have like the little bit of hair, mm-hmm. he dropped that. When he was in NXT, he just grew his hair out like normal. Good. <laughs> so, because I was like, it, this is weird. Yeah, he had the Charlie Brown thing going. All right. Well, what's the next news on the docket? Um, this is sort of news. It's more rumors, but I think it's worth talking about because uh, you you're asking me the other night, like, who's WWE announced for a Hall of Fame this year? And it's like nobody yet. Mm-hmm. They haven't. But there's rumors going around that they're the. Big names are batting around is JBL and British Bulldog. Uh, JBL, I could see. Bulldog, I definitely see. Um, he should have been in a while ago. I don't understand why he's not. <laughs> okay, I might be having a Mandela effect, but Vader's not in the Hall of Fame yet, right? No, he didn't get inducted. Uh, that was one of my points of contention with him. Especially after he got that diagnosis, like he he had limited time because of his heart or something. Uh, and it's like, guys, you get you can get Vader in while he's still fucking alive, and then they they didn't, they they just did not. Mm-hmm. Did <clears throat> did uh, Vader and Vince have a problem with each other? Um, not exactly. It's weird. Like that gets into like the how Vader's WWF run went back in the day. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, uh, if you remember, I mean, if you know anything about Vader's career, it's like he was treated awesome in Japan. And then when he came to WCW, he was treated pretty good there, too. He was pushed as, like, the main event heel and all that stuff. Um, And then it was like, then WWF wanted to hire him, and they did. And then his push was not like it was in the other companies. He was treated differently. Maybe they should have popped his eyeball out, like, in New Japan. No, and from what I understand, because I've heard Cornette talk about this a lot, because Vader was, like, one of the last people he managed, like, on TV and stuff, so he was around him quite a bit. Um, Vader and Vince just never really communicated that well with each other. They they didn't get each other as people, apparently, and it caused problems. And the biggest thing was, like, Vader, Shawn Michaels did not want to work with Vader, and that kind of, like, fucked his whole push. Dude, I, I, I want to see that match. God damn it. I mean, uh, they had a, a SummerSlam match, mm-hmm. and that was like when Sean was just at, after that match. He adamantly refused. He didn't really want to work with Vader after that. It was a pretty good match, though. It's like SummerSlam 96 or 97 or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's 96. Because uh, Vader was stiff. Sometimes he hit a little too hard. <laughs> man, be a man. Take it. Take it in the face. Well, that's when Sean was being a bitch back then. Weren't you the one that said, like, HBK Sean Michaels was a dick? 
Um, I was I was more talking about his character back then, but some of that was like his mm. personal life bleeding in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like when they formed DX and like like before Sean left that first time, uh, I, he. To me, it, it became a lot more noticeable that he was being like a supreme dick on television, and it was hilarious. Apparently, he was driving people insane backstage, but, I, man, go go back and watch some of the stuff he was doing around that time. Oh, my God. By the way, like, um, with the the uh, remember when DX had their little news conference where they were just like, we're not going to say motherfucker bitch twat and all that stuff. Shit. Fuck. Goddamn. Jesus Christ, hell, faggot, or any other racial or sexual slurs. Yeah, it's amazing. Imagine if a promo like that was on TV. N- not yeah. e- not even the curse words, but just like the the faggot part, where you do like all the it, all the alphabet gang people would be. Uh, going crazy and trying to like cancel triple H and Shawn Michaels and even China probably. Cause they probably think, you know, she's a man, but she's not. I still remember that promo, uh, Jerry Lawler cut on gold dust back then too, <laughs> where he was feeding with gold dust kind of. And then he was like, uh, he, he cut some kind of short <laughs> promo. It was like a minute or so. You can find it on YouTube if, if you wanted to search for it, but he's basically like, He's an embarrassment to his father, and I'm going to show that flaming fag what for here in a minute. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he said that on TV. It was crazy. The attitude error was edgy. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the, the Hall of Fame, like I told uh, Zach on Facebook the other day, I was like, don't, don't they usually announce it, like, literally in January, like, right after Royal Rumble? Yeah, usually they start like around like right before the rumble or after and stuff. Uh, I think they're probably still in the process of figuring out who's getting in. I, I suppose because there's just been no announcements yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think both guys deserve to be in. Bulldog should have been in a while ago now, in my opinion. Who do you think is gonna induct Bulldog if it is him? <clears throat> um. I think uh, David Hart Smith was on the bump recently or something. And that caused some kind of weird incident between MLW and them. Cause they, they were trying to accuse WWE of poaching him or some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they didn't, he didn't tell them or whatever. I don't really know what happened there, but I'm starting to think because he showed up like, yeah, bulldog is going to get in. Cause they might try to get him to come over and, accept it on his behalf or whatever yeah that's another thing that pisses me off about wwe is like the obvious people that should be inducting the the person is never the obvious person like when i when macho man was in they had fucking hulk hogan do it and i get it that hulk hogan and him were the mega powers brother but like dude hulk hogan was a dick and i'm pretty sure macho man fucking hated hulk hogan (laughs) <laughs> they did. They did not like each other. Uh, supposedly, before Macho died, they kind of buried the hatchet, and then that. Then he died, unfortunately, like very shortly after that, or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, if that's the case, cool. I don't know. That's what Hogan says. You know, you can only trust Hogan as far as you can throw him. I think sometimes. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> 
excuse me. I think as that might have been true because I remember I think his brother was saying something about that. Like, yeah, they they actually buried the hatchet, so it's like okay. I don't see I don't see why his brother would want to fucking lie about that. Yeah, true. Uh, as for who to induct them, JBL, I don't know. Uh, fucking I guess, Yeah, I was gonna say Ron Simmons, yeah. Bulldog. I guess <laughs> I would say Brett, but I don't know if he'd want to do it. I think Brett's sick and tired of giving speeches in WWE and getting tackled by fans. That was fucking ridiculous when that happened. I'm going to take you to the SummerSlam. I don't understand why that happened. Like, why would somebody want to attack Brett Hart? He's, like, old now. And, like, I just, the way what did I, he do? The way, the way I probably saw it happen is, um, and I'm not defending, t- defending the guy. Dude was probably drunk. He's like, yeah, Bret Hart, and he goes in the ring and probably tried to hug him and like tackled him. Maybe I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but like, the revival fucked him up. Yeah, they, like they should have. Mm-hmm. But I guess if Brett doesn't want to do it, you get probably uh, Natty to do it or David Hart Smith if he can. Because mm-hmm. I mean that's family, so yeah. All right, so I, I guess I'll feed off of the the Hall of Fame a little bit because uh, Macho Man's brother, how do you say his name again? Lanny. Lanny. Uh, Lanny Poffo. Poffo, yeah. He was on AEW a couple of times. And so feeding off of this story, Vicky Guerrero has seed from WWE due to AEW gig. Now, Lanny... Uh, Lonnie had a gig on AEW. So does he have heat as well now? Like, the thing with WWE that pisses me off is, like, I get it, their competition, but it's also a job. If if you're not going to give them a job, where are they supposed to go? To Impact, where they don't get paid? Yeah. Impact's where you go to, like, uh, repair your career, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have nowhere else to fucking go and, and you're just played out, like, that's where you go to try to, like, refine yourself. And why would you go to indie companies that, like, uh, and, because and, you know, like, people like Vicky Guerrero or any big name is going to get a lot of money, which is going to steal uh, money from, you know, the indie wrestlers. So d- Vince needs to get a dick out of his ass. And, <laughs> and stop doing this like the Monday Night Wars are done. The, the, Wednesday, night, the, the Wednesday Night Wars are kind of a joke, in my opinion, a little bit, because I don't think it is as big as it was in the Monday Night Wars, because the Monday Night Wars were about oh, no. were about millions of views. We're talking about like half to maybe like eight hundred, nine hundred thousand viewers. We're talking about like a grand total of like a million and a half people, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like watching these shows, more people than that watch Raw, and Raw's usually not good. <laughs> so, like, it's just like a little proxy battle. It's kind of like I don't know. It's it's kind of like what the United States military got into after Vietnam. <laughs> it's just we get the little conflicts. Mm-hmm. This is this is a conflict. This is this is a Wednesday night conflict. But apparently, 
this is what was said. I have the podcast now, and I have asked to interview some superstars for my podcast. This is Vicky Guerrero speaking. And they found out that I went to AEW, and now they don't even want to talk to me, Vicky said. Uh, but, but And then she also says, between me and you, which she was talking to David Benoit, which is uh, Chris Benoit's son, they didn't call me for two years. Well, here's one thing, <laughs> Vicky Guerrero. Since you're hanging out with fucking Chris Benoit's son, probably that's another reason why. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just, WWE is weird about the Chris Benoit anything in general. Very weird. You know, what's crazy is, uh, David Benoit did an interview recently mm-hmm. on that, that Chris Van Valet's channel. I don't know how you say his last name. Good um, interview. Very, very interesting interview from like the little tidbits I saw of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Uh, that guy wants to wrestle though, and he wants to wrestle under the name Chris Benoit Jr. Ooh, that's gonna be tough. I I know, like, I get what he's trying to do. He wants to like redeem his family name and shit, basically. Mm-hmm. It, but I just don't know that. No mainstream wrestling company is gonna like buy that. Pretty much, the only wrestling company i could see him going is to aew because chris jericho will back him cody rhodes will back him as far as tony khan the mark uh who uh you know is very sjw i don't know because they'd be like oh he killed his family and you know i don't want this to be in our product which i kind of get in a way but david benoit did not fucking kill his whole family and he's not on steroids I saw some good suggestions that he could do, like what he could do. Like some people suggested maybe he just wrestle in a mask or call himself like Chris Pegasus or some shit, which is a reference to when Chris Benoit was the Pegasus kid in Japan. Not a lot of people will probably know that anymore at all. Mm-hmm. Just really hardcore wrestling fans and people who know shit about Chris Benoit. That's, that's it. Like, uh, but again, that's in Japan, where which uh, nothing against Japan, but usually all their characters are kind of weird in a way. Um, but like, eh, this is gonna sound a little racy, but I do apologize. But like, people in masks are usually, if it's a white person or a black person, it's like usually something uh, gimmicky as a character. Most masked wrestlers are like luchador. And stuff. So, like, if I, if I was, you know, David Benoit as a, as a white guy, I want to show my face. I don't know. I don't know if he would want to wrestle in a mess unless he wants to get into business and that's his way in the do- in the door. I could see him doing that, and then you know, take off the mask and be like, "Oh my God, it's David Benoit." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I understand from like the modern sensibilities of like like what wrestling fans see now like yeah that's pretty much true about masked wrestlers but back in the day there used to be just american masked wrestlers that just wore a mask and there was no gimmick mm. they swore they swore a mask there's like the assassins it used to be like an old tag team of guys that just wore masks and they were just asshole heel wrestlers look at Sami Zayn; he was el generico that was a goofy gimmick, though. <laughs> I know, but he still wore a mask. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make a case for, like, no crazy gimmick mask wrestlers. Just some, some asshole who wears a mask. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, or you could be you could be not an asshole and wear a mask. Chris Jericho wore a mask, I believe. Uh, I don't remember if he did. He might have. Uh, Benoit think... def- definitely did in Japan and stuff. And I think Eddie Guerrero was Tiger. Eddie Guerrero was one of the Tiger masks. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really like a, a gimmicky thing, though. It was like just a, a, an identity people would assume. Yeah. It's like, I'm Tiger Mask. And what's Tiger Mask? He's just like a good wrestler who wears a mask. <laughs> That's it. So, I mean... WWE, stop being a dick. This yeah. this is one of one of the reasons why like people are starting to hate that company, is because they're so very corporate and very like stingy like this, and it's it's annoying. That stems from Vince. Of course, you always hear Vince will do business with anybody if he thinks he can make money with it, no matter what you did. That that's also been true too. Yeah, but when he also loses money and on the the verge of pretty much going under, that's when he starts doing his best stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like, I don't know. I guess we could move on to some little AEW stuff. Um, Zach watched the latest episode of Dynamite, which had the steel cage with uh, uh, I almost said CM Punk. Wow, uh, Cody Rhodes and uh, Wardlow. Which I think is a retarded name. I get it. Like at first, I was like, "Why is his name Wardlow?" And then when they put him with MJF, I was like, "Oh, I get it. Okay, he's like one of his rich buddy friends or some shit. That's why his name's weird." He has a sweet uh, intro music. I I think I missed his entrance. Uh, I, I think I was I was watching what was about to happen on NXT, and then I flipped back. It was like so a, was just, it was like a mixture what, of disturbed or something like that. Huh, that's cool. Yeah. But Wardlow uh, kind of impressed me a little bit. I was like, okay, he doesn't suck apparently. Yeah, he's a he's a big dude. He, he's got the power, and he's also really really fast. Yeah, uh, I want to say he, he's a little bit uh, smaller than Braun Strowman, but if I had to compare, I would compare him to Braun Strowman a little bit. I think Wardlow is is not that big, like comparatively speaking to like like. Uh, I feel like he might be roughly six four or something. Just looking at him, mm-hmm. six maybe six. I, I feel like he's six four, six five, somewhere in that range. That's big to, compared to a lot of other wrestlers now. But like back in the day, a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers that were, you know common size they used to be like anywhere from six two to six five mm-hmm. but yeah in AEW, that guy's a giant <laughs> yeah and compared to the line uh, like the lineup that they have he's the only giant i believe oh wait no no I, luchasaurus is kind of big i forgot about Luch- him luchasaurus is like six five or six six or some shit jake hager's around that height too and butcher's a pretty big guy as well Mm-hmm. Uh, By the way, did you hear uh, hear that Dustin Rhodes uh, promo for Jake Hager? Yeah, he was like, "What do, do you even wrestle? Like, what the hell are you doing there?" <laughs> it <laughs> I was, was like, "Damn, there it is! Finally, somebody brings this up." Yeah, it's 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 really good, and uh, they announced it. Like, did he agree to it, or are they doing this bullshit where they go, 
on Twitter and go, well, the match is set, guys. Because I noticed no, companies I, have been doing that. I don't know. Like, yeah, AEW's weird about that. They, like, announce shit in, like, press releases or, like, they'll do it on Twitter mm. instead of confirming it on TV or something. Um, but, yeah, my understanding was they're going to have the match at Revolution. Cool. But back to the steel cage. That steel cage is huge. Very tall. And I, you know, we talked about it. Were they going to go back to old school? Because Cody's all about old school wrestling. But no. Um, it's very different compared to WWE's steel cage. Because in WWE's steel cage, it's really short. Like, you could, like, take two steps and you're out of the, ring, uh, out of the cage already. This one is, like... Fuck it. I don't even know. It was like eight feet tall or something. Eight. I don't even know. It was taller than that. I, I feel like that was a fifteen foot tall cage. Mm-hmm. Might have been. Might have been twenty. But um. Yeah, it, it's similar in design to like the modern WWE cage kind of. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot. Uh, it's more boxed into the ring. It's like it's pretty much right up against it. Uh, you, and it, it, I think it is definitely taller. Do you think that Wardlow should have won uh, or lose clean? Uh, <clears throat> it's fine because because of this. Uh, Cody beat him with a moonsault off the top of the cage. That was the move that beat him. Mm-hmm. And I was super glad about that. I was like, thank God, somebody finally fucking beat somebody with a move off the top of the cage. Well, who was... <laughs> Wardlow did a sw- swanton dive, right? Yeah, he did like a swanton or a senton, whatever the hell you want to call it. He did that off the top rope, though. And, like, yeah, a guy that big doing a move like that, that should be a finisher, probably, but it didn't. And it's Cody, though, so it's like, uh, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh... Big move, though. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, back to the moonsault. Like, I'm so glad Wardlow caught him just in time. Yeah, it was. he was in the right spot, and it was crazy. Like, I don't think anybody really – like, he started to climb up, and I was like, is he going to moonsault? And then I was like, yep, he's going to do it. <laughs> he's done it before. Uh, but that was a good one. And uh, like I said, I'm glad it, that move beat somebody because there's, I've seen people dive off the cage for years, like in WWE, uh, and they never beat them with a move off the top of the cage. The only the, the last time I remember somebody that happening was actually when Champa did that air raid crash to Cole in the last War Games. Uh huh. And I said the same thing that better fucking beat him, and it did. And I was like, good. <laughs> Because why would you do a move like that and then keep going? Yeah. Like, God damn. So, like, to me, I, I, that that kind of excuses Wardlow losing clean because he had to do a crazy move to beat him. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And then they had Moxley versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, I didn't see this match, but you said you, you were impressed with Jeff Cobb a little bit? Jeff Cobb is pretty good, yeah. Like, that was, that was a pretty good match. There was no hokey bullshit in it or anything, really. It was just a good wrestling match. Cobb kind of reminds me of, um, 
Ah, oh, geez. He kind of reminds me of Rhino a little bit in the way he moves and stuff. Mm. And his, his build, of course. But he kind of wrestles like how Scott Steiner did before he got on to the roids, allegedly, or whatever the fuck he did. Like, back when Steiner was younger and he had more hair. Yeah. <laughs> he did, like, a lot more suplexes and he'd do, like, drop kicks and shit. He, do, he had a little bit of aerial offense. Cobb kind of does that stuff, too. Shit. Uh, hopefully they sign him because I know I I've been hearing that Jeff Cobb is a rental, so hopefully he's signed. Yeah, I think Cobb's got some kind of deal with Japan right now, and I think he wrestles in Ring of Honor too. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, yeah, AEW's trying to get him, and I'm like, well, yeah, you should. That guy's good. Like, I don't know if he can cut promos or anything, but he's a bigger guy. He's not tall, but he's a big, bigger dude, and they need. Excuse me, more people like that. Yeah. Uh, so they had a battle royal for the tag team number one contender spot, and uh, uh, Young Bucks won. We saw that coming because of the promos that they were doing with uh, Paige and Kenny Omega. Uh, I didn't actually see that coming because I wasn't aware that they were doing that. Okay. So <laughs> I did. I didn't know. I was like, as it progressed, I was like, they're gonna fucking win. Because I don't, I just didn't see Santana and Ortiz getting it, or Butcher and Blade getting it, or any of them, such or a, best friends. Such a dumb name, Butcher and a Blade. Why don't you just come up with something cooler? I mean, his name could be like Tommy Butcher or some shit, and then that guy could be Jason Blade or whatever the fuck. Like, mm-hmm. see, that already sounds better. Mm-hmm. The butcher, the blade, and the bunny—so stupid. Anyway. What's her deal? Why is she? I—I I don't get this. Like, hang on a sec. This bugs me so much. Like, they have so many problems with like their women's division right now, and like, Allie just became the bunny and is now a manager, sort of. And she's like one of your best wrestlers in the company. In my opinion, yes. Like, she—I I saw her wrestle a couple times before they she stopped doing that, and I'm just like. Wait, why aren't you wrestling? Like, they really need you right now. <laughs> it's Kenny Omega, man. He's booking stupid shit. Maybe she saw the writing on the wall and was like, let me try to be a manager. She finally did a manager thing in that Battle Royal, too. Mm-hmm. I, I kept complaining. It's like, is she a manager or is she just like a valet? And, like, valets, are they're lame. They don't really do anything ever. They're just there. Uh, she kicked Orange Cassidy in the nuts, which made me laugh. <laughs> He, was, he, he kept catching, uh, who the fuck was it? I think it was Trent uh, when he would like fall out. And then like the second time he went to do it, she just went up to him and like tried to seduce him or some shit. It was like as a distraction mm-hmm. and just straight kicked him in the balls. <laughs> and then like Trent fell out, fell out of the ring because he wasn't there to catch him. I was like, okay, finally you did a manager thing. <laughs> yeah. But the big story we could talk about, it's not even the big story of the young bucks winning. But is uh, who's in the fucking crowd, and it's Raven just sitting there. Yeah, there was, like, at some point during that match, uh, some guy from the Dark Order, I don't know who he is. He lo- At first, I thought it was Orange Cassidy, because he looks a lot like him. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Did they put Orange Cassidy in some other kind of role now? No, it's just some other guy. <laughs> and he starts talking on the mic, and he's like, uh, SCU... Where's Christopher Daniels? Where's your friend? He's not here. He sucks. You suck, basically. <laughs> and 
it caused them to get distracted and get eliminated. And then right after that, Scorpius guy like jumps the railing and attacks that dude, and like all the Dork Order guys just fall over with him. <laughs> and then like the camera makes sure to stay on that shot, and like behind them, just sitting there in a chair off to the side, is Raven. It was a quick shot, but I was like, is that fucking Raven? Just because like that guy is un you can't mistake him for anybody else the way he looks. Yeah, and did, I didn't hear the commentary, but did they mention Raven was there? No, they didn't say it. They they didn't say that was Raven or anything. See that that's what makes me worried a little bit now that he could be the exalted one. I think that tweet you're talking about though just kind of like blew it. It was, it was it's too cutesy. It comes off like way too cutesy. Like ah, it's Raven. See, but it's what to- do you think now? Like, <laughs> but it's Tony Khan, the biggest mark of the wrestling business. I, I, I mean, if it is Raven, I, I don't care if it is Raven or not, honestly. But if, if that's the way that you reveal that it's him, that's a really shitty way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Unless they do some type of twist where you think it's either going to be Christopher Daniels or a Matt Hardy or something, and then all of a sudden Raven attacks him and he's the exalted one. Matt's still te- teasing that shit. He did it again uh, on his Twitter last night. Mm. He did it a lot more directly this time, though. Mm. I mean, that would be good. I mean, I think he would get full creative. Of his broken gimmick there. Well, they'd be stupid to not let him. Yeah, because if they control him and they, you know, make him the joke of the company, like, you know, Cassidy and shit, then uh, you shouldn't go there, Matt Hardy. (laughs) Let's see if we can get Matt Hardy and Raven uh, uh, to fight for the right to be the exalted one. And it could be like the Sunday Night Heat 2002 match. You know what? (laughs) I mean, I know you're joking, but, like, imagine they both uh, say, well, I'm the exalted one. No, I'm the exalted one. (laughs) And, like, they have a feud because they're the real exalted one. That sounds like a Vince Russo fucking storyline. Like, if, if Raven and Matt Hardy could cut promos on each other, especially if Matt Hardy could be broken or woken or or exalted or whatever the fuck he wants to be now mm-hmm. like that would be really entertaining honestly but i don't know if i don't think raven's in any shape to wrestle in fact he's like semi-retired at this point mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure and i think he's had some health issues i don't think he's, he's he would wrestle um but i'm just kidding plus i don't know if matt hardy and raven ever had a match on sunday night heat 2002 that definitely sounds like something you would see yeah <laughs> around that time definitely <laughs> So, I mean, I have nothing else with AEW. I think it it was a good episode, but like it's no, pretty good. nothing for me to go. Wow, this is fucking great. Yeah, I mean the the cage match was cool. Like that was that was good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like how they keep like treating MJF though. They keep making him look like a goof, and he keeps like getting like showed up in a lot of these segments or something, or like when he's outside or something, it's like somebody always gets come up. It's on him. And I'm like, you guys are like kind of stealing his heat every time you do that. Right. You know that, right? Mm. Like 
he, he can get it back as long as they don't do this repeatedly to him. Did you see MJF's uh, selling as of late on AEW? Yes. It's so hilarious. It's, it's great. Like, it's just... he, oh, he, he must have went to the Ric Flair of selling. You got to when you're when you're heel, especially when you're that kind of heel, you got to sell like ridiculous. <laughs> All right, but uh, what else news do you have? Um, I got a thing about uh, WWE is allegedly cutting back on scripted promos more, and this comes from uh, Jerry Lawler when he was talking to Stone Cold on his podcast recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was saying ever since Paul Heyman became like the ex- executive producer of raw or whatever the hell they call it um he's kind of made more of a push to you know say guys if you know these people don't want a scripted promo or something can we just like let them do bullet points or let them come up with their own stuff to say and apparently he's been given leeway on that hopefully because vince is doing xfl and he just doesn't give a shit uh, that might be it. Uh, I, I've I was gonna say I I've noticed I can tell when people are doing a scripted promo and when they aren't at this point. You can kind of tell, mm-hmm. like because like like Drew McIntyre, a lot of the promos he's been cutting lately, those aren't scripted. You can you can tell he's just kind of coming up with stuff off the top of his head. I'm not gonna lie, I don't like face Drew McIntyre. That's just me. I um. I think it's a little weird, like the direction he's going in with it, Mm -hmm. but I think it's working. It seems like people like him. Uh, Maybe if maybe it's like a growing pains thing, like, cause this is a little different from how he was presented as a face in NXT. Mm -hmm. Like NXT, he was pretty much just this guy is badass, and he's just a, he's just a straight up fighter. He doesn't, he just whips your ass, and then if you fucking lost, it's because you, you got your ass whipped. Well, I <laughs> I do like the uh, countdown to the Claymore kick. I do like that gimmick that he's doing. Yeah, that that's getting over. Mm-hmm. Because um, the whole crowd is like, three, two, one, and then boom, hit it. I, I have to say, though, <clears throat> ever since I listened to him on the Edge and Christian podcast or whatever, Mm-hmm. This is actually a little more close to how he acts in real life. <laughs> he's kind of like a big goof a little bit. Um, he's—I don't know—he—he make—he—he he kind of jokes around stuff a little bit when when he's like you know not in character. He he says, well, "What do what do you what do you guys want me here for, brother?" He was like saying that on the podcast, <laughs> just kind of goofing off, and he, he was pretty funny. So, like, I don't know if he can kind of parlay that into his personality. And it seems to me like he's figuring it out because he'll turn it on, too. Like, you know, he'll that if somebody pisses him off, he'll get serious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, if, if you can figure it out and you kind of navigate those waters, I think it'll be fine. The question is, who, who would he face after? Because the way I look at it, I think Brock Lesnar is going to give him the title. I think he's going to put him over. And, uh, yeah. And Drew McIntyre is going to be the champion. Then who's going to be his next feud? Is the question? Is it Roman Reigns? Is it going to be Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre? No, I don't think so because Roman's on SmackDown for starters. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Seth Rollins. 
Hmm. Okay. Because to right right now, honestly, to me, it seems like they don't know what the fuck to do with him. Like he's just like in a holding pattern right now. Because it's so obvious because of how every Monday Night Raw ends. It's like there's a segment where Seth Rollins does something, and he gets interrupted. And well, it's by the same people every time, and then it ends up being a multi-man tag match every time. Well, what I hate about WWE that does every time is when they want to make somebody look strong, they always give them some type of belt just so that they can make them re- relevant. And it's a, you don't need a belt to make somebody relevant at all. So I don't – like the whole Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins as tag champions, It it it's just like – you know they're not going to be tag champions or probably a team forever. So, like, what is the point of putting those belts on them? Yeah, I don't I don't really understand that, especially when they have, like, AOP there. I'm like, why did you give it to them and not AOP? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then, uh, to me, there's a way they could still salvage that, uh, which is if they would want to enact the, the free bird rule. And just say, oh, you want to fight us for the tag titles? Okay, you can fight us. AOP, uh, you defend. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck, we thought, nope. <laughs> and then the, those guys just get destroyed. <laughs> yeah. That would be a smart way to do it, but I don't know if they've thought of that. <laughs> I would like to see, well, then, not, then again, this is Raw, to, you know, because Roman's not on Raw. Um... I would like to see Seth a little bit open. Maybe, hopefully, he's doing everything uh, without a script for his uh, Monday Night Messiah and his disciples. Um, I kind of feel like he is, sort of. Mm-hmm. Like, they might say, Seth, go out here and say this shit, and then he just kind of turns it into whatever he wants to say. Who knows? I guess we'll see in about a month or two, because... Every time WWE says they're going to start doing something, it only lasts a month, and then they just they abandon it. Damn it, it didn't work! Why didn't it work? It's like, well, you only tried for like a month. Shut up! <laughs> Get me a black guy to dance. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's basically true, though. <laughs> it's always fucking R-Truth or uh, Biggie. I like how R-Truth is doing this thing now where he says, like, John Cena is his hero. He was his childhood hero when he was growing up watching wrestling. And he's stealing his moves now. Now he comes out dressed up in jorts and he's doing the shoulder tackles and the, the reverse spinning power bomb and shit. He's doing all of his moves. Well, John Cena's coming tomorrow on SmackDown. Well, he's not going to fight our truth I think. But I, <laughs> hopefully he can interact. I mean, I don't know if our truths on Raw. I can't remember now at this point. but I think our truths on every show. It doesn't really matter. Hopefully they can interact. Maybe they can tag team. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you can't R-Truth me. Whatever. <laughs> Rumors are Cena's going to have a match with Elias. Uh, that's uh, WWE likes to do things everything late. Everything late. Too late. Yeah, that's what I was saying, too. I'm like, why didn't you guys do this like fucking a year or two ago? Like, what the hell? <laughs> like when John Cena was waiting for The Undertaker and Elias came out. That should have happened that time. His time is yeah. up. His time is now. Um, Who knows, though? That could just be rumors. It, it, it's rumors anyway. I mean, it's not really confirmed yet. 
Yeah. Um, let's see. What else do I got here? Oh, yeah, I got that thing about Corbin. Okay. So we talked about how Jim Cornette finally blew his stack at Dave Meltzer, and it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Barry Corbin had something to say about Meltzer recently, too. <laughs> and uh, he said uh, so there was, like, a discussion going on online about him, and he just, like, joined in pretty much. It had to do with actually the John Cena Elias rumors. Uh, Dave Meltzer basically says this is happening, and he says it's underwhelming. Uh, like, like he says, like nobody's going to care about this, or it's it's going to suck, or something like that. Mm. Uh, and this is what Corbin says. He says people need to realize he is a cancer to the entire wrestling industry, not just WWE. <laughs> He inspires hatred to anything and everything he doesn't like or agree with. For example, I may not like a band, and that's fine. But what separates us is I don't have to continually bash them online or work to get others to hate them as well. I don't have the time or energy to be that negative of a person. But is Dave Meltzer doing that? Sort of. Like, lately, I feel like he's been super anti-WWE. Like, he doesn't really have a lot good to say about anything that they do. Yeah, but is he going around, you know, gathering people's pitchforks and stuff and saying attack WWE? Or is he just going on the show and saying WWE sucks? He's just going on there and saying shit. But, like, what he's referring to is that, like, there's people that follow what Dave Meltzer says and just take it as gospel. And he's not wrong about that. That a lot of people do do that still. Yeah, it's AEW fans because they're idiots. Yeah, and he's just like he's all about AEW's great. They don't do anything wrong, pretty much. Like, yeah, I think he sometimes he's admitted like, yeah, the women's division's kind of blah or whatever. But it's like he just sees no holes in anything that they do. It's like he has blinders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Like I say, he like he's been super anti WWE lately. It's like, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of shit that they do wrong. We talk about it quite a bit, but yeah, I've been not anti WWE because I do watch NXT and there is some good things that happen in WWE, but like mostly in NXT. <laughs> yeah, mostly NXT. But I don't know. Dave Meltzer just needs to shut the fuck up sometimes, and I. I guess that's what Corbin's saying is like, you know, have better opinions. You can have an opinion, but don't be a dick about it, I guess. Don't be such a suck up to people in the wrestling industry that you want to be buddies with you. Mm. So they can name one of their moves after you, Meltzer Driver. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) And then that move never finishes anybody because they kick out anyway. Whatever. Yeah, that's that's a lot in the modern fucking day of uh, wrestling. I'm getting tired of that, man. Like after after watching like NWA more, and it's like how, how they just have matches that make more sense mm-hmm. than like anybody else so far, in my opinion. It's I'm tired of seeing like matches go for like twenty plus minutes just cause, and then they kick out of each other's biggest moves and shit. Yeah, well. <laughs> I have I have some things to talk about in the the pay per view that we watch, but is there any other news before we move on? No, that's it. All right, let's get into some 
NXT Portland. So the first match was Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Dijakovic. I, I I actually practiced this before I even did this, and I still failed. You still like hesitated. Yeah. You just call him Chris Dijak if you fail altogether. <laughs> well, I saw the J, and I kept on going D J Vogue, whatever. Melia, jo- it's like Melia Jovovich. You can't say her name either. <laughs> <laughs> All these bitches. But uh, two big guys. I didn't really see the lead up to this, so I didn't know the storyline besides it just being two guys that are respectful, respectful for each other. Is that the storyline pretty much? Yeah, there wasn't really like a lot of build up to this, and I don't really think that there needed to be either because these guys have history. Because like when the Wednesday night conflict started, uh. That was like one of the main programs they were pushing was uh, Keith Lee and Dijakovic, and uh, it's like every week they were having like matches. It's almost like they had a best of five series or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, each time the matches were like getting people talking, like "Oh my god, the shit they did was crazy!" And like they kept trying to outdo the last match they had or something. And I guess they they're capable of it because it seems like they did it again here too. Yeah, they had a. It was a slow build match. Um, definitely showed the power for each other. It fucking picked up near the end where uh, Keith Lee was sitting on a chair and uh, uh, Dom, I'm just gonna call him Dominic. I'm not even gonna say his last name. And Dominic just did. I forgot what movie did. Did he do like a moonsault or something? Or he he did like one of those crazy dives. Um... It was like a tope sort of, but he had like a spin or some shit. Mm-hmm. And he barely hit him. He almost landed on the back of his head. He got he was so close to fucking himself up bad. That was scary. Yeah. Every time there's a respectable, like, they both respect each other. They always do this, like, power on power. And then, you know, we're going to do these moves. And then it just gets out of control. Uh, and then they just started beating the shit out of each other. And yeah. It, it, actually, this, <laughs> while we're talking about this, I'm actually going to change my score a little bit because <laughs> I just remember that part. So that that that's interesting. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. that. But uh, I did like the top rope stuff. Um, the thing with big guys, it usually doesn't really get me excited like when i see two big guys i go oh okay it's gonna be slow which it was in the beginning and then when it started picking up i was like oh this is getting fucking good um trying to remember what keith lee did in the match he did a lot of clotheslines and stuff he had some moments but he didn't go out of his way to do like any kind of really insane moves or anything Mm -hmm. like what to me it seemed like like, Dijakovic was doing a lot of the crazy spots and stuff. It was him. He was doing all these dives and all these, like, let's both go up to the top rope and do a super move. And, like, honestly, in my opinion, he put himself in several positions where he, he almost could have hurt himself really badly. And I'm just like, man, why are you doing this? I Like, I know you're capable of doing, like, some crazy stuff for a guy your size, but, like, He's doing like reverse hurricane runners off the top rope to like Damian Priest. 
mm-hmm. and he's like doing that dive that he almost blew on that show there and just other stuff. I'm just like, man, like I feel like he's taking his chances a lot more and one day he's going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, cause I, this was like Sunday. Did he go on the top rope with Keith Lee and he did like, you know, that, uh, they they both stand on the top rope and they do like a, a moonsault flip and they kind of like, yeah, Spanish fly. Yeah. Or, or C4, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, that, that made me like, I was like, Oh shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like it was crazy to see, but it's kind of another instance where it's like, I don't know. I kind of rather not see that because there's obvious cooperation there. Hmm. Like, it takes too long because Keith Lee is such a big fucking guy and he's having to stand on the top rope and keep his balance. And then you got to wait for Dijakovic to get up there. And it's like, okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Wee! And it's just, eh, I, that kind of stuff bugs me when there's like obvious cooperation a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's unavoidable just because those guys are so big. Yeah, and then another thing that bothered me throughout this whole pay-per-view is the constant finisher move, kick out, finisher move, kick out, finisher move, kick out. And it's starting to get a little old. There was a lot of that in this show. Uh, Some matches had it more than others. Mm -hmm. This was one of them. There were multiple spots in this match where it's like, okay, this should end here, and it doesn't. Yeah. Like, when two... Heavyweight, like a heavyweight and a super heavyweight go to the top and the guy hits him with a fucking Spanish fly and he kicks it out. That's horse shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking stupid. Like they literally had like four or five spots in that match where it could have ended and it just did not. And I don't know why they do this. It's like, maybe it's time. Maybe it's, they wanted to get the crowd going. That's the only thing I could think of since they were the number one match. Because yeah, he- on an NXT show, normally, like, the first match will set the pace, and they'll go out of their way to try to make it, like, one of the more memorable matches of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the whole Portland show, though, I kind of felt like there was, like, a, oh, follow that kind of thing going on, because it seemed like everybody tried really hard to have, like, a good match. And, and that's, oh, go ahead. that's what I love about NXT, though, is, like, they always try to outdo each other and yeah and i know that's not the way in the in the in the business to do things because there's supposed to be matches where you're just like it's 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 supposed to be good but mild good it can't be you can't top the other guy that we're trying to top yeah you shouldn't have like a bunch of crazy shit happen before like what's supposed to be the main event it's just like when you see like i felt like this sort of affected the whole show this match did because it kind of put everybody in a position was like where we just saw these two giant fuckers like do flips and like do outside dives and stuff and just a bunch of stuff they should not have been able to do and then we see these other matches where like they don't even get close to approaching that at all and then in the main event it's like in my opinion Chompa and Cole had to like work really hard just to get past that yeah and they, they did, I think, but it was to me. It's like they they went too far, mm-hmm. but I'll get I'll get into that later. I mean, I have nothing to say. I just you know my my notes are two big guys 
doing crazy fucking moves and was still entertained, but it was still an okay match. I gave it as a 7.0 out of 10. I'm going to, uh, let's see, what, what notes do I got here? Uh, yeah, there's some other spot where Dijakovic dived outside and almost killed himself before the, the one on the chair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what he was doing. I think he was doing a suit. Oh, yeah, he was trying to do like a, I think he was trying to do like a suicide dive or some shit. Or no, it was a Tope Giro or something. Mm. The one where like they run and grab the rope and kind of use it to like somersault over. Um, instead of just like jumping and clearing the whole rope and everything. Uh, he tried to do that, and then he almost landed on his fucking head on the apron. Uh, but Keith Lee caught him. He fucking saved him. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, this guy's taking just way too many crazy risks. He's going to like fucking pile drive himself or some shit. Yeah, the, ma- the match was like 20 minutes long. Yeah. Um, it was exciting because it was a big guy match that wasn't slow. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're gonna have two big dudes fight each other, set the pace high and don't let it last too long. This was pretty much about too long, I think. Um, despite Dijakovic almost killing himself multiple times, he still impresses the hell out of me. That he's just capable of doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think he should maybe only try to do a spot like that once a match, though. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, Keith Lee is stupid strong. Mm-hmm. Like he deadlifted that fucking guy. Like wants to do something. I can't remember. I think it was like a suplex or something. He was like, God damn. Uh, I like the end of the match where it was like they were, he, they're both pretty much dead, and, and Keith Lee helps them up, and they just like you know they do the fist bump handshake thing. Yeah, it's like that's cool. Uh, and. It- did Dominic look like he was hurt because Keith Lee like helped him up the rope so that he could celebrate? I think they. Were, I think he was just selling. Good, sell, good seller. Despite that, like I don't think, I don't think Dijakovic took a bad spill anywhere, but he just got so damn close multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably sore the next day. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing all those bumps. It sure, he sure is. <laughs> he, he was doing a lot of the work in that match, really. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this match an 8.0. Ooh, one, one point over me. Well, originally I gave it an 8.5. And I still felt weird about it the entire time. Like, I kept going back and forth with myself about how good that match was. Because mm-hmm. it did a lot of things, in my opinion, that was like, that's way too far. That guy's going to fucking kill himself. This is ridiculous. It's good that they want everybody wants to be like, follow that. But at the same time, that's not the way to build a good wrestling card. Cause then you're just going to like make the end of the fucking show boring. Yeah. You, you have potential to do that, to ruin it. It's like, why would you do like a crazy, I'm going to do a coast to coast with a trash can. And then later on in the show, somebody tries to do the same thing. It's like, well, why did you do that? <laughs> Why, why did a pre- preliminary match have that spot when they were going to do it in the main event? Just shit like that. Yeah. All right. So next match is a street fight, and it's Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox. Uh, yeah. I love this battle. 
it, yeah. ha- it has a I don't know if I ever told you this. It has a Marty Jannetty versus Shawn Michaels just without Marty Jannetty doing drugs and never showing up. I kind of, you know, you say that and I kind of get what you're saying, but it's like, it's weird because I don't really think they ever teamed up that much or anything. Mm -hmm. It's more like they're just taking advantage of, I guess, their real life friendship and parlaying that into a storyline. Yeah. I guess is what it is. Like, it wasn't all those years of Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty teaming up, and then Shawn Michaels is like, fuck you, and throws him through a window. <laughs> but hey. Marty was trying to escape. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have short notes on this. Uh, everything was just... I, I was eerie going into this match, because I'm like, oh, it's a street fight. Um, and not a lot of women matches and street fights like this are really exciting to watch. They're not that good. Usually I'm not saying there hasn't been any good ones. Cause there, there were a couple like Charlotte and Becky's match at evolution was an example of that. That was good. Mm-hmm. But like, that's like the only one I could think of off the top of my head. That was good. Yeah. And this one from beginning and I want to see part of the end because uh, the person that helps out uh, Dakota Kai, people are just like, who the fuck is this? Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, the pers- uh, she was from the Mae Young Classic. They changed her name, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still Gonzalez, but they changed her first name for some reason. I don't know why they did, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so Dakota Kai, uh, like, Tegan Knox comes out, Dakota Kai uh, comes up behind and starts beating the shit out of her. No entrance. It's like, yeah, Tegan Knox is doing the beginning of her entrance. It's just like, bam, oh my god. They start beating the shit out of each other. I'm like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You don't have to always do goddamn entrance in all, the same way all the time and everything. Uh, one note I have that's funny is she takes out the tape and like wraps her arm or her arm like once. Not enough to like uh like be able to get out, but I guess the reason why she did that is the move that she did so that she wouldn't fuck up her arm, I guess. Yeah, there might have been some potential to, you know, oh, fuck, I fucked my arm up a little bit. Hey, at least she's more proficient with duct tape than Jelly Janela is. Yeah. (laughs) That dude struggled hard with that. And Meanwhile, she was like, okay, all right, you get a wrap and a half. Here we go. (laughs) And, um... I do like Dakota Kai's, like, gear now, uh, where it's just, like, it's very punk rock. She's bad mm-hmm. now. She has bad girl music. It's guitars and and anger. This is what <laughs> this is what they should have done with Bailey. Instead, yeah. instead, she's just a weird, I have this head jewelry bullshit and my name is on my chest. You were, you were saying before, like, like Dakota Kai is, like, better Bailey, and I'm just like, I'm inclined to agree. She has, like, a similar kind of thing, but it's not, like, as goofy, I feel like. And, and her promos, like, I, I watched a clip yesterday where, uh, <laughs> where fucking William Regal comes out of nowhere, and he's like, you know what? You're going to be in a cage. With- That's not William Regal. I know. It's like <laughs> That was funny, though. Uh, that's just my normal British accent, but like, <laughs> it's like William Regal and Quaaludes or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be 
no interference and this is just me being me now and he's just like it's inside a steel cage and i'm like ooh that's even better dude because I was like, yeah because now we get to see we we get to see what they did with weapons now we get to see what they do with steel cage are are they going to do crazy shit off of the top of the steel cage if they do that i'm going to mark out i'll be cra- I, I would be inclined to believe that somebody will try it I don't know if they should because both of them have had like knee problems. Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> that's that's very true. I, I I wouldn't do it, but uh, I don't think they would need they need to because uh, one of the things I, I've noticed about these two and their like feud so far is like they're like super aggressive with each other, mm-hmm. like like more than some of the guys are even. And I'm like like it's believable that these two fucking hate each other because of how aggressive they get, dude. T- Tegan Knox was doing some stiff shots. They both were. They both were fucking being vicious with each other. Mm-hmm. I think it, I was it a knee to the face that Tegan Knox did or a kick. I don't remember, but she she there were a lot of kicks. They, they these two are very kicky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah, like like I can remember even like when, when they didn't have a match. Like it's like that. What was that? It was at Worlds Collide. Like, Dakota Kai was, like, sitting in the crowd. Hey, the wrestler's in the crowd. And then, out of nowhere, Tegan Knox just tackles her and starts beating the fuck out of her. And then they just, like, brawl for a bit till they get, like, pulled apart. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, damn, they were, like, turning it up there. And then, like, they did that. They, they had that really short match on TV a week, a couple weeks ago or something. Yeah. Where it was, but it was, like, it was super fast, but it was really violent. Like, it didn't drag on. It was like a fucking six-minute match or something. And this was the same thing. I don't have a lot of notes for this match because they were moving so fast. Mm-hmm. It's they, they did a lot of stuff, but I feel like this match might have been like maybe 15 minutes tops. Wait, was this the match where uh, I said, wow, she got some air on that? Uh, yeah, that's when Raquel Gonzalez came out and ch- choke-slammed Tegan Knox off the top rope. <laughs> And didn't even break the table. No, it, 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 I don't think she f- jumped out far enough or whatever. And, like, it was like the back of her head hit the table. And it, it looked even worse because of that. It was just like, boom, and, like, the table falls over. And I'm like, oh, my God, that looked bad. Yeah, but to try to picture it for people in the audio right now is, like, she's doing this choke slam thing. And, like, Tegan Knox did, like, a she springed off of the turnbuckle turnbuckle and uh was like so high in the air <laughs> and she missed the table or, ba- or barely touched the table it's like her her head and shoulders caught it and it just the table just fell over into her mm-hmm. and then like dakota's like what and like just kind of crawls over and pins her and that's it and i'm like yeah it should have been it you got super choke slammed and did not break a table <laughs> Yeah, so I had this match at a 9.0, but because of the ending, um, I was like, who is this? It's not enough to... I get it that Dakota Kai should have not won clean, but who is this chick? Besides, Uh, if you don't watch Mae Young Classic, you don't know her. I think at this point in time, she's unrecognizable now from how she used to look back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she looks a little different. It looks like she may have uh, even lost some weight, tightened up a little bit more. 
But um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they recognize her at this point. Cause she hadn't been on TV like very, very little since then. So it's basically like they're repackaging her. Which is good. I guess, I, I guess I have to watch NXT and see what they do with her. Cause right, right now she's kind of like somewhat like the Jake Hager of the inner circle for, for Dakota Kai. She's Dakota's diesel. We're mm. continuing the Shawn Michaels comparison. Yep. <laughs> But I don't have any more notes. I gave this an 8.5 out of 10. <clears throat> I gave it an 8.0. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking about bumping it up, though. I'll give it an 8 point. Uh, yeah, I'll stick with 8.0. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, we're still close. You had an 8.0 on Keith Lee match, and I had uh, <clears throat> uh, 0.5 a little bit over on yours on well i was trying i was trying to debate if like I, I i i think i like this match a little more than the last one just because it made more sense overall mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of spots in this match where it was like god damn they killed each other and she kicked out again there really wasn't that much there weren't that many pinfall attempts they were just beating the fuck out of each other yeah that's a good point because in most of these matches they were like oh finisher kick out Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox were like the least of that. Yeah, that's- like I mean, there was a couple other matches where they didn't do that either, but like this was one. This was the first one, and it, there were almost no pinfall attempts for a while. Um, I just feel like this match might have moved a little too fast, like to its detriment. That's like the only bad thing I think I can say about it. Because mm-hmm. but- it was like I, it took. I couldn't fully absorb a lot of the things that were happening and it, it caused me to not be able to write that many notes uh this match was the shortest out of all of them they were how uh, long was it 13 minutes and 24 seconds i feel yeah i felt like it was like almost 15 minutes i just wasn't sure by how much mm-hmm. still though good match very good women's match very different yes um on to the next match um finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. Johnny Takeover. Yes. Johnny Wrestling. Johnny Takeover with a four and eleven record. By the way, <laughs> while Finn has a nine and one record. Yeah, and the buildup was pretty good with this. You know, Finn Balor being the prince and them doing that like promo Johnny Takeover and all that stuff. And you're the one that brought it up to me about the four and eleven record, and I'm like, yeah. Why did they make that a storyline if he's four and eleven? I don't know. And then, like, me and my buddy at work kind of talked about that too. And it's like it's like Missile Mister WrestleMania, like in reference to Shawn Michaels. Mm. And then I was, I, I actually started to think. I was like, what is Shawn Michaels WrestleMania record? Is it like actually trash, or is it like fifty fifty, or or what? Because he definitely doesn't have more wins and losses. I know that for sure. Let me see. Shawn Michaels' uh, WrestleMania record. I feel like it's probably going to be a little bit more losses. Uh, hold on a second. Just keep talking. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, the build-up for this match was good. Uh, Finn's character since coming back to NXT has been great. The way he's presented, the way he wrestles, he's like a lot more aggressive now. Mm-hmm. And he's just he's just killing guys. He's having matches and just beating them. Like 
decisively beating people. Okay, I got it. Actually, hold on, hold on a second. Okay. No, no, this is right. He's six and eleven. <laughs> so that's not that far off. Then <laughs> he's like, I mean, how there... could you be? How could you be missing WrestleMania when you lose most of the time? <laughs> Come, come to think of it, shouldn't Undertaker be Mr. WrestleMania? <laughs> I guess the here's the here's the thing about that that nickname. I think is they never said Shawn Michaels was Mr. WrestleMania because he always wins. They called him Mr. WrestleMania because he puts on that big match, brother. Mm-hmm. He 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 lays it all on the line. He he something different happens to him when it's WrestleMania, and he makes an epic bout. And it's like, well, I guess it's the same thing as Johnny Takeover. He's he has really good matches at Takeover. That doesn't mean he wins more of them than he loses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. To me, that says like you're a choke artist. And we'll get more into somebody else maybe being a choke artist later. But <laughs> he's one of them. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I've liked all this this build up. I I I was kind of digging this feud, and uh, the match started off good. It was kind of a slow burn. They did a lot of chain wrestling at first, which was cool. Yeah, they did a little old school wrestling there, but I don't know what it is about Finn Balor matches. I I don't know if him being tainted by the main roster, as far as uh, wrestling wise. Uh, I love his promos because he's just like, "I'm the prince, fuck you." But um, yeah. but like his wrestling, I I I don't know. It, the one thing that uh, always makes me wonder is when he's stepping on people, are, it, are their ribs gonna break at some point if they don't breathe, <laughs> breathe right or brace for it? Uh, I think there's a certain way that he does it to where like it looks bad, but it's probably like half that impact. I'm not sure about that though, because I, I I came to find out like Jeff Hardy's Swanton Bomb is like the most brutal move that a lot of people ever took, believe it or not. <laughs> really? Even though like it only looks like piece of the head just like next to like the arm or something? Yes. Apparently this is this is true. <laughs> and it's like a bunch of people have gone on record saying that, like Randy Orton, Edge, uh but pretty much anybody Jeff Hardy ever faced, apparently when Jeff does a swanton, he's just like fucking flopping onto you. <laughs> and it legit just drives the air out of you. <laughs> and I was surprised to find that out because, yeah, it doesn't really look like he hits, but there have been a few times where, especially lately, he seems to do it more. It seems like he just fucking lands on them with his back. <laughs> he's like, and <laughs> The guy just rolls over like, <laughs> and he's just done. Well, think about when Kevin Owens does the senton bomb on the corner. Like, I think he misses more of it. Okay, I guess. Like, I think Jeff used to miss more, but I think what they're saying was like it, it, when Jeff got further into his career, he s- decided to stop missing more because that hurts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's like, oh, "You're gonna break my fall, okay." <laughs> Boom. That's that's funny. Uh, but um yeah, uh I I think Finn's like his wrestling has changed. Like he still does some of his regular moves. Mm-hmm. But he's like a lot more aggressive. He does like more shit to like 
punish people. He kind of gets into that joint manipulation stuff, and he's like doing a lot of heelish things, like doing kind of good looking rest holds, slowing I, pace down. Yeah, I think the problem is, and I, I'm not shitting on it, but <laughs> at the same time, I kind of am at the same time a little bit. Is the the slowdown? Um, after coming off of a Keith Lee match, which was kind of fast, and the Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox kind of fast. And then Finn Balor, like, slows it down to, like, uh, quicksand kind of stuff. Very slow. I wouldn't call it very slow. <laughs> I mean, at the end, he picks it up and gets aggressive, and then he, like, stomps on people's stomachs, and hopefully they, they don't have to take a shit or something. That would suck. Shit in their gear. I he, he, slow, he slows it down, but I would not say it's slow <laughs> it's still f- pretty fast mm. uh it's just they'll they'll take a break for like maybe a minute and it's like all right and then go back into doing their stuff yeah but uh let's see they're picking you know body parts working them over that was cool uh oh i love this spot there's a spot where they started countering each other's strikes a bunch Mm-hmm. And then, like, Balor did a Pele kick and just kind of, like, fell on the ground. Like, he didn't get back up. And then, like, Johnny just kind of fell on him into a pin. <laughs> and it was like, and it was like, what? He almost, he barely, like, kicked out of that. It was like, oh, fuck. That was pretty, that was pretty creative there. <laughs> um, I remember that. That was cool. Fans, I noticed fans started booing Gargano the further this match went. Why, though? I don't, I don't get that. I think it's just because people really like Finn now. Like, they, he's back to be – he's kind of come back to where he got over, and now he's acted more like when, like the prince, and people fucking love that aspect of his personality. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just being a fucking badass right now, and people fucking like stuff like that. So I guess, uh, like – I guess Finn Balor is next in line for the championship, right? In my mind, he is. He's fucking. He beat Johnny Gargano. He's just been beating everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, like, I think Champa is going to be occupied. So it's like I do Finn and Adam Cole. To me, that's the logical, the next logical step. Yeah, I mean, I treat Adam Cole as a tweener, right? I think the undisputed era is a tweener faction. <laughs> Like, it's weird because, like, people really like them. And then what they always have to do is they have to work to get to get heat. Mm. It's like they'll start the match and people are like, yeah, we beat their ass. And then eventually they'll get heat and then they'll get the crowd to turn on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have nothing else to talk about the match to you. I know you probably took more notes than me on this match. I just this slowness kind of made me sleepy. Uh. Oh, I like that thing where they like uh, they went outside and he put. I think Gargano was trying to put Balor through a table, but he fucking countered him and then went over to the other table, ran across and shotgun drop kicked him off the table. Oh yeah, I remember that, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> when, fuck it, that was when, awesome. Yeah, when I saw him do that and set up, you know, on the other side of the table, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Just, I thought this was a really good match. It had great psychology. And again, this was another match where they weren't killing each other and kicking out of each other's shit. 
Mm-hmm. It was it, it all was like they built it up, and they would hit gradually hit bigger moves on each other, but not like their biggest moves. It was either they would get stuffed or get tired and fall over, or they couldn't do it. The guy would escape or something. What is Gargano's finisher move? The Gargano escape. Uh, uh, it's that it's that thing where he kind of like does the head scissors and he converts it into like a weird cross face. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Sometimes he beats people with that slingshot spear, very rarely, and then sometimes he beats people with that slingshot DDT into the ring. Mm-hmm. He's beating people with that more often than that spear, but yeah, his finisher is pretty much this a Gargano escape. Okay, I gave this a seven point zero out of ten. I gave this an 8.75 out of 10. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were polar opposites on that one. You're you're too into the fast pace. That's what it is. You just got to be fast. Mm-hmm. Next match, Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair pimping out the Black History Month gear, which was cool. Yeah, that was cool. She's like, Black History, they're making them like, guys. All right. I see, what you, I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a shame what happened in that fucking match, though. I'll tell you what. Yeah, this was another one that wasn't that long, I think. I don't feel like it was that long. Uh, This match was 13 minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, and I felt like it was pretty decisive. Like, I I thought it was pretty good. It's just I feel like Rhea Ripley decisively beat her. (laughs) Yeah, and what really... um, takes it out is the whole uh charlotte flair and rhea ripley challenge thing and you're just like i already know who's gonna win unless they're gonna do a surprise where bianca blair she had a good rumble and they want to have her face uh flair to uh put her over but you could you could have put both of them over i guess if you wanted it to uh, I guess I guess so. Yeah, I I don't I feel like they did that too early. The thing with Charlotte, like if they would have just waited a couple more weeks, like after this match. Yeah, after the match, or even because I think in the pay per view she says, you know, I accept, which I think should have happened. Or yeah. or instead of Rhea Ripley coming to Raw Raw SmackDown or something like that, um, you just had Flair show up and be like, I want the NXT title challenge me and i think that would have went fucking like oh shit you know shit serious now mm-hmm. or you could have had heat where charlotte flair beat up bianca belair to make rhea ripley wins because she wants to face rhea ripley yeah but uh i'm so impressed with bianca belair just her her size you wouldn't think of all the moves that she's doing she she has some power into her Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got some agility too. Sometimes, very rarely, she does this. She'll bust out a four fifty. Mm-hmm. She's the only woman I've ever seen do that move. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and she's the only woman that I see that she has to hold her hair while she's running the ropes, <laughs> so she doesn't trip on her hair. Fly her where she trip on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- this was another match where I was just like not into it, and. Again, I know the uh, competitors are good. I know they can wrestle good. It's just that I didn't care for the match at all because I knew the outcome and 
I didn't feel like it was a a pay-per-view worthy match, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I think this could have been a NXT, you know, regular TV show match if they wanted to. But I get it that, you know, Bianca Belair was up next to face her and they need, need they needed a uh, title match here because of Rhea Ripley. And they also wanted to do that Charlotte Flair spot as well. Um, what what do you have on your notes? Um, I like that this was like kind of a power versus power match. That's like a matchup that you don't really get to do that often in the women's division. Mm-hmm. There's just not that many female wrestlers that have more of a power based skill set. A lot of them are like a similar size. Not a similar build, but they'll be like a similar height, and you know there might be ten to twenty pound weight difference between them, if that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both these both these chicks are like pretty built and uh, taller than a lot of other girls, so they can they can do a lot of that stuff. Um, so that was cool just for just for that and. Uh, Let's see. I like that spot where uh, Rhea Ripley does this cool submission where she like kind of, it's like a weird cloverleaf thing, but she's like standing over you and pushing you down. Oh yeah, when she's slapping her around? Yeah, it, it's it, it's like a unique submission move. Apparently they were calling that a mare's grasp. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Bianca like caused her to like roll through and make her hit the post and it was like pretty brutal. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, fuck, that was a good post spot. <laughs> the hair whip, Bianca did the hair whip. I always pop for that. That that must hurt, dude. It's it sounds terrible. It has to hurt. <laughs> but I like that she doesn't do that all the time because there was a period of time where she did it like quite a bit. Not every match, but she was doing it like every other match. And now I've noticed she kind of pulled that back. She only pulls that out like once in a while. Because I guarantee you, she gets some probably stiff shots when you know the person she's hitting fucking hurts. Maybe, like I don't know. I feel like they they talk. They at least say, "I'm gonna hit you with the hair," and it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's kind of like when you you know play with your siblings and stuff and be like, "I'm gonna hit you with this chair," like in WWE, and then you just do it too much. You get into it a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I can see. Yeah, I'm sure she might have got a receipt a couple times for that. Whatever, you know. Mm. Um, let's see. What did I write here? I know. Uh, oh, I know. there was like another spot outside where it was like, I think she back body dropped Ripley out of the ring. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, like, I didn't expect that. It was like, uh, that's a big fall. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she made it fine, and then Bianca does that dive, but I think she got stuffed or something. I can't remember. I think she either hit it or, like, she got stuffed. But that was really cool. Just cause That was another big, whoa, spot. Like, you don't even really see guys do that uh, that often. I remember when Belair was going for a suplex, uh, but, like, Rhea Ripley, like, fucking headbutts her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i don't really have that many other notes about it though i thought it was a pretty good match it was just like yeah the charlotte thing kind of like takes the wind out of the sails of it a little bit and then top that off bianca Belair lost another title opportunity match 
Oh, I wrote this down. <laughs> I wrote this down as a joke so people don't like, uh, you know, try to cancel me. But like, a person wearing Black History Month gear gets beat up by two white women. <laughs> I mean, that did happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like, I is she writing history as a choke artist? Because like, I I can't help but notice this. She's had multiple ty- title opportunities. And it's like, she'll put up a decent fight, but she just loses. She's lost every single one that way. I think she has, like, the Booker T kind of... Even though Booker T is a five-time, no five-time, five-time champion, it took a while for him to be five-time champion. Uh, Yeah, it did. So I could definitely see her getting the championship, but I don't know. I I definitely think she's next in line because I, I don't think anybody else could... Uh, beat Rhea Ripley. Right now, I don't. Yeah, I don't buy anybody being able to yet. Nobody's been built up for that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that's why it's like, oh, I don't want to see Charlotte. She's gonna beat Rhea Ripley. I'm like, that's not gonna fucking happen. That's stupid. Management likes Rhea Ripley too much. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. It's, she's this is being used to put her over to help put NXT over pretty much. I just hate the. Uh the eye contact thing just stop with the eye contact oh the over the top eye contacts yeah yeah they did it with fucking bobby lashley and it didn't work so why is it gonna work on rhea ripley i thought well here bobby lashley did that one time at wrestlemania mm-hmm. and i thought i actually thought he looked pretty cool like that like i don't know what they they he would need like a re-gimmick he needs to be repackaged or some shit mm-hmm but he looked cool. He looked like I don't know. He looked almost like some some fucking guy you'd see in a Blade movie or some shit. But <laughs> it's just like uh, it was like a one-off thing, and it's just like whatever. But um, yeah, Charlotte came out, beat them both up after it was over. I accept, and that was it. Mm. So what'd you give it? I did originally give this an eight point twenty-five, but I dropped it a little bit. <laughs> Because of, well, it was good, but not as good as it maybe could have been. And again, like the way the booking's been, it just kind of, again, takes the wind out of the sails of this. It's like, well, everybody knows Bianca Belair's going to lose now. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like shot themselves in the foot a little bit. It's, it's always WWE. You're shooting themselves in the foot booking. Yeah. Good match if you put all that aside. So what'd you give it? 7.75. Oh, okay. I give it a 7.0. Yeah. All right. So this is where it gets good. From from here, it's just nonstop, just fast fucking shit. So we got the Broser Waits versus Undisputed Era, which was a Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Broser Waits is Pete Dunne and uh, Matt Riddle. Uh, so, you know, Undisputed Era does their thing, you know, the boom. And then uh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne come out in their golf cart with the Dusty Cup and their Bobby Fish shirts. And <laughs> I I cracked up because they had the whole crowd do, what could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby... How ma- yeah, how many fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish? And it was like awkward because it's it's really hard to say. Yeah. And the crowd wasn't in sync at all. No. 
It's like they were trying to get it, and then they just, they they couldn't sync up. It's like, oh, whatever. And they had a fucking like sing along lyric things lyrics on the screen with the fish for each word. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was this... goofy, but it was like that good WWE goofy that sometimes they stumble on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like where Undisputed Era is like fuck this, and they go to start beat up them by the golf carts. Yeah, they just went out there and started fucking whipping their ass. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Bobby Fish got pissed off. Um, there there was a lot of shit that happened in this match. Um, yeah. The one thing I want to bring up is, wow, Matt Riddle gets really, really fucking red. He's like Brock Lesnar when he exerts himself. He just gets red. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a, another thing I wrote down as well. Is like this, this team up is weird, and I I I like the name, and I I don't know what it is about WWE is they like to take two single competitors and put them together like a odd couple kind of bullshit. Yeah, this is an odd couple tag team. This is the not the first, is one of many. Hmm. <laughs> like. What do you think? Do you think Macho Man and Hulk Hogan were the first odd couple tag team? Good question. I think so because, in my opinion, they're like kind of polar opposites. I think in that... terms of like how they talk, how they do things, how they wrestle. Mm-hmm. I think what uh, I think that's pretty much the first time they did that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the first time the odd couple tag team happened because. When you think of tag team wrestling, you think of two people coming into the company as a tag team, as a team. Yeah, like uh, the British Bulldogs. Yeah, and <laughs> when you have like Hulk Hogan and a Macho Man, like them t- coming together for just like a couple, which is fine to do once in a while, but like now WWE is doing it a lot. They try one of these like once a year at least. Mm-hmm. And either it works or it doesn't. Seamus Cesaro fucking... That one worked. (laughs) Cesaro and Tyson Kidd worked, I guess, as well. Yeah, like, that that was another one where it's just, like, totally mismatched guys just get put together and it works. Like, they've done several, like... I think Macho Man and Hogan are probably the most famous. And then they did... uh, What's the next one? Uh, I want to say... I feel like I'm missing one somewhere in the mid nineties, but Owen, yeah. Owen Hart and Yokozuna. There's one. <laughs> yeah. I forgot Fucking about that. Weird. <laughs> and then, uh, the so, more notable ones, uh, Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels. Yes. It's Stone Cold and Mankind as well. Yep. Dude love. I uh, do love. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just even weirder. And then Mankind and Rock, Rock and Sock Connection. Mm-hmm. And then you had, uh, God, I know there's more. Um, Eugene and William Regal. <laughs> that one kind of worked. Uh, damn. I think Triple we, H and Austin is another one, but it worked in a different way. It worked for the storyline that they were doing. Yeah, it's like they were both heel at the time, and I don't know, they were just like, dude, like, 
we just dominate whatever we do. What if we just combined effort? <laughs> and then that's like that was pretty much the pitch. And it's like and they called it the two man power trap. <laughs> I love it. Uh what I also wrote down in my notes is suplex, 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 knee, 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 <laughs> chop, chop, chop. Oh, and um, Kyle O'Reilly likes to do his super strikes. You know, when, yep. he, when he like flail, flails his fucking fist at you and then kicks you in the knees. Yeah, he I, does like his marsh, mixed martial arts shit. Mm-hmm. And it always looks like it doesn't hurt. I always laugh because, like, either people sell it really good or other people just stand there. Depends. Like, yeah, sometimes he has, like, the the one thing I don't like that he does, really, is when he does that shit where he mounts somebody and starts palm striking them. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't look like it hurts. Like, I know that's, like, a legit thing you can do in, in fights, but it's just, it's it looks weak. Yeah. But a lot of the other stuff he does, like, he'll do that one combo where he, like, elbows you. And, like, I don't know, fucking throat chops you, and then he, like, spins around and does a knee strike to your face, and then he, he does the sweep. Mm-hmm. That's a cool fucking combo. I like that. Yeah, and uh, Dunn did his little uh, joint manipulation things where he stomps, where he twists your arm and puts it, like, backwards, and he stomps on your arm. I fucking love that shit. And then he did the whole... Break your fingers, but not really break your finger thing. I love that shit, too. Because <laughs> they, they always make it look good. He, like, grabs his hand. It's like, <laughs> I always like it when people know. They're like, no, 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 no. And then he just does the snap, and they're like, ah! They just fall over. Like, <laughs> Cole's the best at selling that. Mm-hmm. Every time he does it to Cole, he's like, he's, like, begging. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Gets that look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what else should I, oh, yeah, there was one spot where, uh, I forgot who hit who, but, uh, <laughs> Matt Riddle, I think, went into Pete Dunne, or it was the other way around, and I thought they were gonna lose at that point. I thought this was gonna be, like, a one-off, like, oh, they won the Dusty Cup, and they, you know, get a shot at the Undisputed Error, and one of them run into each other, and, you know, ruin it for each other, and they're gonna feud against each other. I thought that's where it was going to go. Yeah, I kind of felt like that might happen, but it didn't. I'm I'm okay with that because they already kind of did that thing. Mm-hmm. Where, like, it was Pete Dunne and, and Roddy. And then, like, Roddy turned on him and joined Undisputed Era. And in my opinion, Pete Dunne never really got comeuppance for that. He never got that one-on-one match with Roddy after that. I thought he did. I, I, I always thought... thought that was weird. Well, he did, but, like, I think he did, but it, it ended in, like, interference. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, he never got his, okay, me and you are going to settle the score, motherfucker. That never happened. Well, now he's got a dream to worry about, about, you know, his wife being on his, his gear, so. I fucking love that shit. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got any other notes or anything about this one? No, it's just a lot of strikes. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened, yeah. Uh Undisputed Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly always have good tag team work together. Mm-hmm. They're pr- pretty much one of the best tag teams in the fucking company, probably the world at this point. Um, let's see. Uh, man, Matt Riddle can always do this thing in tag matches when he gets like a hot tag. He goes on a fucking tear. Mm-hmm. Every time he does that, it's like great. 
The only um, sorry to interrupt you, but the only thing fine. that the only thing that like annoys me about him, well, one about his like bro gimmick, even though it's bro. kind of kind of funny at the same time as well, but his gear, I hate that he doesn't have boots on. It, it pisses me off. He's a fighter. Anybody can step on his feet. Well, they should. <laughs> I don't know why nobody's done that yet, but yeah, they should. They should. <laughs> Fucking break his feet. <laughs> I want to say I feel like Finn Balor did that to him in their match, but I don't. I'm not 100 percent on that. <laughs> um, what else did I have? Uh, there was a spot where I don't remember what was going on. It might have been Riddle was hitting Kyle O'Reilly, and he like <laughs> he hit him, and O'Reilly like bounced into the ropes, like and did like a rebound sell, almost like how Moxley used to do that goofy ass fucking rebound clothesline. Mm-hmm. Which you noticed he dropped that move. Thank fucking God. But um, he like rebounded back and got hit again. And then he rebounded into the bottom rope and bounced back up and got, ran into a third move. Yeah, that was funny. I, I laughed about that one. Once uh, every match he has, he, he goes out of his way to do one cell spot that's like hilarious. Every time. That's that, he, he did it there. Um, he also did this sick combo. There was like this, I think it might've been Riddle. He did this too, or it might've been Pete Dunn, but somebody was laying down and then he got to the top rope and he did a top rope knee drop onto their leg mm-hmm. and then immediately transitioned into like a knee bar submission. And I was yeah. like, oh fuck, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Kyle O'Reilly's good with submissions. And I, yeah. I, I, I think it was this match, but while they were doing submissions, like they were, I, I think it was Matt Riddle and Kyle O'Reilly, but they were like escaping from the submissions. Like they would turn their body or do a little flip and even use their feet to like kind of unhook the submission. Yeah. Which I really enjoy. I hate the whole like, no, 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 get off of me. And then like you can never escape. Like try to escape, just stop, you know, sitting there. Some people suck, though. It's kind of like in UFC, you know, when somebody wrestles them to the ground mm-hmm. and then they can't do anything because they have no wrestling skills at all. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to be like that. Like, that's where you, that's how you're supposed to think about it. I don't know, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they think about it like that. Um, Broserweights win. They're the new ta- tag team champions. Yes. Great match. They had a, They got a big pop. They did. And that, honestly, I felt like that was the right decision. I was like, these guys are kind of getting over. This weird odd couple tag team is like working. And I feel like they should win. They did. Yeah. Do you think it was too early? Uh, No. I don't really think that matters because uh, those guys could get those belts back any time and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like if the Broserweights didn't win, it would have taken some momentum away. Yeah, because they got the Dusty Cup and, you know, going into that match they should have won. Yeah, so it's like, it doesn't matter if Kyle and Bobby lose. They they can always get their heat back. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So what did you give this match? I gave it 8.5. I gave it an 8.75 out of 10. Oh, fuck. I was like, yes, good match. Strike, strike, strike. Suplex. All right, main event time. 
one yeah. one thing I want to bring up before we get into the main event. There were at times where I was like, Mara, you need to calm down with your commentary. <laughs> he was like... He got, he, yeah, he, he got a little over the top in this one. Yeah, he was very, very screamy in like almost every match. I think he kind of calmed down in the Finn Balor match and the Rhea Ripley match. <laughs> and the other matches, they're like, oh my god! And he like screamed and stuff. And like Nigel was like, this is the greatest match ever. It was pretty good, but yeah, I don't know about the greatest match ever. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just using an example of like him screaming into the mic with his British accent. He does, he does bust that one out once in a while, and I'm like, you said that like three weeks ago, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Tommaso Ciampa. Versus Adam Cole, baby. And uh, I really like the video package. I, I especially like the part where uh, I'm going to take my life back. And then Adam Cole goes over my dead body. Chompa sh- should have said that can be arranged. Mm-hmm. That would have been fucking cool. Um, But anyway. This match was insane. Uh, this match had the over usage of finisher kickout. There was at least, I want to say, 20 times where the match should have ended. And I'm not exaggerating at all. See, I don't know. I, I feel a little differently about this one because I don't think they had that many instances of it. Mm-hmm. But they spread that out a lot more, too. It wasn't like constant, like, oh, we do a big spot here, he kicks out, and then we spend a minute to get back up, and then they hit another big spot, and then they kick out again. Yeah. It, they spread this out a lot more. There was a lot more build up to these bigger spots. Yeah, and there was a point where I was very worried about Ciampa, is when uh, Adam Cole did the uh, suplex. He did like a wheelbarrow suplex and like the back of Choppa's shoulders. I think it was his shoulders that caught it. Hit like the announce table and it was like really fast when it happened. Yeah, this one thing that WWE started to piss me off about is like how many camera angles they need to show. If they would have showed the one angle where the guy, uh, the video camera guy on the apron of the ring is looking down, it looks like his neck is getting hit. But Even if it was just a side view on the floor, like they 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 still would have got that same effect. I don't know. I think the guy that it was a little higher and you saw it from the front, like it looked like his neck was fucking getting hit or the back of his neck. The other angle is like, oh, you know, part of his back and his shoulder hit. Definitely that, the the one behind the table. Yeah, that's the one that ruined it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I was like, oh, shit. I was like, why are you going to do a spot like that when you almost, like, ended your career? Well, he was going to hit the table with his shoulders. And he did. <laughs> but what if he missed? You know what I mean? Like, that's a big cha- uh, chance to take from coming back from a neck surgery. Well, I feel like that's a case where if you know how to bump, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, tuck your chin in and crane your neck and... He did. So, I don't know. Mm. It ain't ballet. It's definitely, it's less, I still think that's less risky than, like, a lot of the shit Dijakovic was doing. 
Hmm. Um, this had also more like strikes. There was a lot of super kicks from Madam Cole because that's his thing. Um, there was a fans dueling chance and stuff because they were like, let's go Cole, let's go Champa. Yep. Uh, Cole with the backstabber in the corner was fucking cool. Oh yeah, that was nasty. That was a good one. Yeah, that was like right after, and, and by the way, Champa sold really well with that, uh, Semi neck in- injury that yeah he, he was selling that like the entire time. Mm-hmm. What notes do you have? Um, I like like Chapa got control early, and I like how there was like a slow build. Mm-hmm. And then the pace picks up when they go outside that first time, and and Chapa just starts going on this crazy flurry where he's like he's putting Cole up on shit, kneeing him in the face, and it's like really good knee strikes they just look snug um then it turns into like that suplex spot outside and that's where things get flipped i like that Chapa did the warrior comeback <laughs> yeah did you catch that when he did like he did like six clotheslines and shook the rope yes i saw that <laughs> i was like oh, all right that's that's okay um the super air raid crash happened. That's that, that was, I guess that's probably one of those spots, but I mean, the only time he ever did beat him with that was when he did it off the top of a cage. Yeah. So, uh, they did two power bombs outside mm-hmm. to Cole. Uh, then he hit another air raid crash on the apron. Then there was a Panama sunrise on the floor. <laughs> Uh, weren't really any pinfall attempts from these though. It was just they were trying to fuck each other up pretty much. Um, yeah, then there's that spot where, yeah, this is one of the ones where I, I don't like this. Chapa basically hit two of his finishers in a row. <clears throat> he hit that Willow's Bell at DDT on the apron the, through the ropes there, like mm. the Orton DDT. Yeah. And then he hits that fairy tale ending, the underhook thing and the face buster and Cole kicks out and like Ma, you just kicked out two of your finishers finishers don't exist anymore it's lame I was like damn that's that's both his finishers pretty much mm-hmm. um then Undisputed Era comes out and they start interfering and like they hit fucking total elimination on Ciampa and they fuck him up and throw him back in the ring and he kicks out which was awesome and everybody was like oh my god he kicked out and then the referee was acting stupid and be like, what are you doing here, Roddy? Yeah. Then there was a ref bump. Mm-hmm. And then they low blowed each other or something. I think they low blow. I, I put double low blows, but I don't remember the context of that now. <laughs> I don't remember it either. I, I think they low blowed each other. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And then I think that that's when, uh, oh, wait, no. This is when uh, I think Adam Cole had the title and was going to hit him or something. It was right after the spot, apparently, because that's that's the next note I have. Okay. And it was like, yeah, Gargano comes out and he kind of teased like somebody tried to give Cole the title. I think it was Roddy, actually. And he was later there. and He's like, fucking hit this hit him with this. And he runs over to the other side or something. Mm-hmm. And he never could grab it because they kicked each other in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Gargano just came out there and he's kind of like got the title. It looks like he's going to like throw it to Ciampa. And then there's like this weird hesitation and then he hits him in the face with it. And then Cole pins him. <laughs> and, I, and I called it, by the way. I was like, I think it was last episode where I said, why are they doing DIY? Are they trying to do a, a angle where Gargano is going to be turning on him now? And lo and behold, this is what happened. Gargano turned on him. But what I really liked uh, when he did this is, like, they put a storyline to it. Be like, oh, you know, he he seemed he seemed out of it when he lost to Finn Balor. Like, something is going on. He did kind of look weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. I think it's because the crowd turned on him. They booed him. Maybe. I mean. You know what what happened though in that feud? Not the Balor feud, but the Champa Gargano feud mm-hmm. was like, like Champa was getting real heat there for a while, but slowly what was happening was the crowd was starting to like really get into him just because the work he did was so good. Hmm. It was just like I know it was very slow and subtle, but over time they started to react more positively to him. Even though he would do like, he, it just got to the point to where they they weren't going to take him as a heel anymore, just because he just did so good. And that that did happen at some point. I think it was like the last match they had uh, together. There was like kind of a mixed reaction for for Gargano there, mm-hmm. and he's like the clear cut baby face. <laughs> um. Wait, I didn't even notice this. Uh... After the match, Gargano marches to the back as the Undisputed Era. Oh, never mind. Because I'm reading my notes, and I was like, oh, what did I write here? <laughs> I, don't know, I, I thought I wrote Gargano went to the back to celebrate with Undisputed Era. <laughs> oh, that'd be weird. This is the fifth member. <laughs> wow, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like. Do we need another feud between Ciampa and Gargano? Um, I mean, I feel like this is just continuing it. It's kind of like picking up where they left off. Mm-hmm. Because it did kind of just, it was weird. Like, it just sort of ended weird, not definitively, if you remember. Well, I remember when, you know, after Ciampa and Gargano beat the shit out of each other, like, Gargano is like, I'm going to be a little bit heelish now, and I forgot. Yeah, he tried to be heel, and it didn't really work that well. Yeah, and then Ciampa got the championship, and Gargano was facing him, and then that's when Ciampa got injured, and Gargano became the, the top guy in NXT. No, you know what? I take that back. I can't say that it didn't really work that well, because uh, he did kind of find his niche i think as this smarmy little prick heel Mm. it was when he attacked alistair black and he kind of feuded with him that was like his his sidebar feud yeah but that was like one one time then he went back to his like i'm a johnny wrestler or johnny takeover yeah it just kind of he he sort of like yeah kind of lost his heelishness and again that feud with Ciampa just sort of stopped. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they did that thing where they were like, they showed up on the main roster 
together and then it's like they were teaming up and i'm like what the fuck's going on these guys just got done feuding with each other and now they're teaming up again mm-hmm. it's like they just put all that aside so, so that's what i'm saying is like it didn't really end good it just kind of stopped <laughs> so what happened on a oh, wait you watched dynamite did anything- i did i didn't get to choppa did something last night but i didn't get to see it okay so, so i guess i don't know what happened I guess we need to look that up later. Yeah. Uh, so I, here's my uh, rating, unless you got final notes on this match. No, that was pretty much everything I had. I gave it a 9.1 1 out of 10. I gave it a 9.25 out of 10. We're pretty close. Uh, I think I'm going to draw that back a little bit. I think I'm going to give it a 9. Okay. Here's why. Because this was really good. But to me, it almost lost that that nine territory. Mm-hmm. To me, like matches that I give that are nines are like fucking great, and it's like shit you can show people that maybe don't even like wrestling, and they could get something out of that. Um, I like feel cla- like classic stuff. I feel like if you show this to somebody, they're gonna be like, "Okay, when is it gonna end?" Because Exactly. That's why I'm like, this is this is borderline. I I almost can't give it this score, but it was so good at the same time mm-hmm. that I'm kind of stuck in in the middle. Uh, so I just I can't get I can't drop it below that because it was so good. But this is not one I would just show to anybody. Yeah. And this goes back to what I was saying before, where like Keith Lee and Dijakovic did that all that crazy shit, and it kind of put the main event in a spot where it's like. Well, if we don't do a bunch of crazy shit, too, this is just going to be lame. Mm-hmm. And they had to draw it out, too. Like, that was the other thing. I was like, th- this is, like, the first match I think Cole and Ciampa has really had like this. And to me, I think they're going to have another match later. And it's, like, already they had, like, a 47-minute match or whatever. Yeah. And where they did, like, a ton of shit to each other. And it's like, well, what's left for the next one? Is the next one going to be, like, a fucking hour long? <laughs> is it going to be like like what like it's like they overextended themselves on this almost they pretty much did in my opinion this match could have been maybe half an hour and it would have been fine well this match ran for 33 minutes and 23 seconds 33 okay i think my friend was exaggerating then he, he told me like this match is 47 minutes long he was exaggerating apparently oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say i didn't feel the length of it like not really i i was totally engrossed in what was going on i think i felt the length of it when uh the match they kept on kicking out where i was just like you ever watch a movie and then you see a scene and then it like fades to black and you're like, all right, I'm getting up to, you know, exit the theater. And then you find out there's another scene. That, um, that's what I know. That, that, oh, okay. Anyway, that's not happened. I know what you're saying though. There's been several times in movies where I'm like, this movie could have ended already. This yeah. movie could have ended right here. And it's like the movie goes for another 20, 30 minutes and every movie has to be goddamn two and a half hours long or more nowadays. Yeah, and, and that's how I felt with this match. It was like every time there was like a, a fade to black, I was like, oh, finally. And then it's like, nope, psych, here's another 20 minutes. I feel like they just, they they over, they aimed a little too high on this one for the first one. Mm-hmm. Like you could have done, 
maybe a little under 30 minutes and still got this same result, like maybe 25 or so. Actually, I'm changing my score to 9.0. See? Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're the same there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Overall. Um, you got overall notes? Yeah. Well, quick notes. NXT knows how to put on a pay-per-view show. No shadow of the doubt. Their matches usually range from sevens to about eight or nines. Um, I thought Mauro Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo was a little over the top. Um, I didn't like the whole kick out every finisher move kind of thing that was going on. I think they need to tone that down a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are matches. Actually, there was no there was no matches where I felt like it was ballet like AEW like it's a, <laughs> like it's a dance so i i wouldn't say that but somebody like dominic shouldn't be doing top rope moves if he's going to do crazy shit do one mm. just do one thing don't do five in one match i don't care if it's a pay-per-view or not like if that seriously that motherfucker almost killed himself like three times in that match <laughs> he's crazy and uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox is probably one of the good storylines that they have going right now. That's like the the I don't know what to call that. Not the underdog, the the not the dark horse because this isn't about winning something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the the sleeper hit. I want to say this is the sleeper hit feud going on right now because these two every time they do something, it just looks legitimate. Like you could buy it. Like these two fucking hate each other. Yep. And you you buy it the way that they interact with each other and the way they hit each other with stuff. Yeah. So my my overall score is eight point seven five out of ten. I gave it an eight point twenty five out of ten. Hey, we're pretty close, so that's yeah. good. All right, guys, that is our review of uh, we call it NXT Portland. There's one thing I want to bring up before we sign off. So let me... Actually, you know what? No, this is kind of me putting you on the spot. Put me on the spot. I don't give a shit. Do it. So AEW Revolution, <laughs> the card. Since we're not uh -huh. going to have time to uh, do a podcast before the show. Uh, Wait, when is that happening, by the way? I think the 29th. Yeah. It's the 29th. Okay, let's do a quick predictions real uh, real quick. Let me, uh, do you got all the matches in front of you? Yeah, I do. So, so I'll okay. name it. Okay. Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Darby. I'm going to go with Sammy. Okay. Uh, Nyla Rose versus Rio again. It's Nyla Rose. No yeah, <laughs> Nyla Rose. That's, that's a no-brainer. Dustin Rhodes versus Jack, uh, Jake Hager. Jake Hager. Man, I have to agree with you on that one because you can't have Jake Hager lose because then he looks like a doofus. His first match and he fucking loses. That's stupid. Cody versus MJF. Cody. Cody. I'm going to MJF, and I think there's going to be a turn. If it's going to be either Arn Anderson or it's going to be Brandy, 
No, you know what? You're right. I take that back. It's going to be MJF. (laughs) Everything's Uh, gone too well. I mean, despite the fact that he got whipped and shit, and there's like the passion of the Cody and all that other bullshit he had to do. mm -hmm. Like He just beat Wardlow, and it it seemed like it was a hard fight for him, but it's like he pretty much got what he was getting. And that's not Rhodes booking. That's not what happened to Dusty. Mm -hmm. So, no, he's going to like get fucked over probably (laughs) somehow. Okay. Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman, Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks. Uh, I do not see the Young Bucks winning. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know, actually. I have no idea what they're going to do here. I'm gonna go I feel with, like I could go either way. I'm going to go with Omega and Page. I guess I'll just go with the Bucks just to be contrarian because mm-hmm. I feel like they could do they could do it because then it would go ahead and do the turn that's building for Adam Page or whatever the fuck that whatever they're trying to do with him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's been a lot of complaints for too long about like how why are the Bucks not as big a fixture in the tag division as they should be or some shit. I don't and know. I guess they could shut all that up right here. Do two birds with one stone. And then they'll be the longest reigning tag team champions ever. Calling it. Uh, Chris Jericho versus John Moxley. Jericho. Now, the smartest move would make Chris Jericho the champion still because he's a name. Not saying John Moxley's not a name because he he was Dean Ambrose in WWE, but putting taking the belt off of Chris Jericho and having him be just there without the belt would be weird to me but i have a strange strange feeling that they're gonna put the strap on john moxley i don't think they will we'll see unless unless they have chris jericho while he's doing his fozzy tour just come back every 30 days to defend his title he he could say he's going on a sabbatical. He, he needs to rest. Le Champion needs to recharge. Mm-hmm. A little bit of the bubbly. And he deserves it because he, you see, he could just, I could just do this promo right now. I, I've beaten everybody. I've done everything. I, I've proved, I, I've made the naysayers look stupid. It's, and you know what? I deserve a rest. <laughs> so bye. I'll see you in 29 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Interesting. All right. Well, that's our predictions, everybody. Uh, next week we have uh, on Saturday, the 29th, is Revolution. Uh, and then the following Thursday we'll have the review. Unless unless the, we call it, Zach wants to do a after the bell kind of thing with AEW. Um, that's Saturday. And I think we're both off. And... I don't have to do anything. I mean, I don't have any plans ahead there. So, like, depending on when that ends, I feel like they come off at 10. Mm-hmm. I'm not real sure about that, though. It could be 11. But it's the weekend. I don't care. We could if you're up for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm free if you're up at around 11 o'clock. I'll have to figure out how, like, I'll see this thing, I guess. I've got ways, and I'll give you a link on the way that I watch it. I may just buy it. I mean, I did get my tax return shit, and this would be it. See, this would be the, this is the final straw. 
because <laughs> I, 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 I told them they've struck out twice now, and I said three strikes, you're out, and I'm I'm not watching again for a while. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even though I did kind of stop for a little bit here, that's just because I got homesick. How do you watch your pay-per-views, by the way? On my TV through my PS4 usually. Okay. But if it's NWA, I just watch it on the computer because it's just it's just easier that way. I know there's a fight app or some shit. I just haven't put it on my PS4. Gotcha. I'm in the habit of watching all that stuff on my computer. Because I was, I was thinking about... Because I, I know you watch wrestling with your brother, but if you're not watching with your brother, maybe we could get into a Google Hangout and just do our reactions and kind of give our opinions. Oh, uh, you know, that might be cool. We could do that. Okay. So let's try to do that. What, yeah. not, not after the bell, during the bell. <laughs> live, live show, live yeah. stream. All right. Um, other than that, I think we're going to end the episode. This is probably... Eh, we still did about two hours. It's better than three and a half or four, so I'll, I'll, you know it's quicker. Yeah. Uh, if you want to catch more of our podcast, make sure you go to nobnetwork.podpeen.com. You can also go on Spotify and iTunes if you search Nerd Review Network. We also have a website, nerdreview.com. And I believe next week, actually, we're going to be doing an, uh, the Nemesis Project, right? If we if we get these play playthroughs in, if we can manage to beat it like quick enough, I don't think it's that long. Again, like I think it's that game might be 10, 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I have to. I'm gonna check it here in a minute. <laughs> if not, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But until next time, everybody, wrestle, wrestle. See you later. See ya.